and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. Now let's dive right on in. Hey everyone and welcome to the Caption Live for a very special live episode that we're doing tonight and I am joined by one of the co-owners of Outsider Comics, a local comic shop out of Seattle, Washington. Please welcome Wing Mui, is that right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hello. I, I, I was I was uh, worried that I was going to mess that up, so I, I'm glad I got that correct. Um, but thank you for joining the show. I, I'm really excited to talk to you about your shop because I know your um, shop has a really um, uh, a really interesting and really cool uh, uh, thing about it. But I wanted to start off by asking mm-hmm. you, um, which is what we ask every guest that we have on the show, your comic book origin story. Wing, tell us a little bit about what got you into comics. Sure thing. Also, thank you for having me here. It's it's great to be on a podcast. It's always great to be on a podcast, especially one about comics. Um, so my origin story, um, I don't know. I don't remember what the first comic book I've ever read was, probably because I was probably a very small child. Um, if I have to bet money on it. I am going to guess it is one of the many um, copies of Doraemon lining the streets, uh, lining the newsstands um, on streets that are just like, you know, everywhere in the world, given that it's one of Japan's greatest export comics that especially um, I I probably should have said this first, that I was born in Hong Kong. And so a lot of the, you know, a lot of the um, Western sort of, is that correct? Western end of the Pacific. Like a lot of folks kind of in Southeast Asia and East Asia, our mm-hmm. first exposure to comics was really just um, Japanese manga that's been exported and translated. And mm-hmm. so I guess it's one of those. Um, the first time that I would actually like actually own possibly uh, own slash read an American comic, uh, what we would consider like an American comic or an English British comic was um, sadly, they no longer exist, but um, modern myths, a comic book store mm. that was in Northampton, Massachusetts. Right. They, yeah. That was my first local comic book store um, yeah. when I was in college. And so the first thing that I, the first comic book that I own, I don't remember what it is, but I know I got it from the pre-owned like back section of that comic book store, that and is so it kind of, cool. it kind of got me into comics and also, you know, games because it was a, it was a store that was like about half a mile, a mile away from a women's college, um, Smith College in Northampton, mm-hmm. so kind of the gender mix of that store and also the culture of that store was a lot different than your stereo comic book shop in the nineties or like early two thousands. And they were kind of like one of the earliest shops that really had a women dominated kind of clientele. And Mm -hmm. I think that really reflected 
like in their culture. And that really drew me into it. So that's my origin story. Hello? Yeah. Are you there? I am there. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So it, it, it like switched on me for some reason. Sorry. <laughs> that's totally fine. But yeah, no, my origin story read a whole bunch of read a whole bunch of books as a kid from New Stance and then uh Modern Myths RIP they closed I think in 2010 or something um but that was my first I was, that was my first local comic store That's awesome. Yeah, you know what's interesting is I've never been to Modern Myths but I, I feel like I've heard <laughs> about Modern Myths from somebody I I can't remember if it's from one of our people from Comic Watch, which I, I don't know if you know this wing, uh, but Caps Life Show is part of the uh, Comic Watch, which is a right. website for uh, comic mm-hmm. reviews and stuff like that. And, and I know we have uh, quite a bit of people f- from the East Coast. I feel like I've heard about that shop from somebody there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a really cool story. You know, and I love hearing that um, you remember vividly your local comic shop, because I know when I was growing mm-hmm. up, I don't think I really had one. Like my introduction to comics was my uncle who had, you know, long boxes of of comics and everything and so mm-hmm. i don't even remember when i started buying comics like where i was getting them from because i didn't really know what a local comic shop was until yeah i think I got it older. helped <laughs> i think it helped that i didn't really i didn't really start um until like my late teens early 20s mm-hmm. um so i think that helps that helps with the memory a bit like they have a like it's not really a vague childhood memory when it's just like all right i guess my the first time i'm regularly buying comics is like I, i'm like 20 yeah right. cool it's like <laughs> I, some people don't remember anything from college i still have most of that memory in <laughs> well that's good <laughs> yeah well, um, speaking of local comic shops, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you are the co-owner mm-hmm. of Outsider Comics. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you all um, have uh, made on your, clear on your website, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously this is a, mile, a cornerstone of your comic shop, is that uh, Outsider Comics is a trans and queer owner um, – Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, trans and queer owned uh, local comic shop, which yes. which I, I think that is really neat. And I don't I I'll be honest, I, I think that's probably the first local comic shop I've heard that has mm-hmm. um, that is trans and queer owner um, or mm-hmm. trans and queer owned. And so I want to ask you a little mm-hmm. bit about, you know, what um, what is it about? outsider comics with it being owned, uh, being trans and queer owned, um, that makes it, you know, unique and and different compared to other local shops or even small businesses Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, why is that something that's really important for you all, um, in terms of making that as part Mm -hmm. of your local comic shops identity for people to know that that's what you guys are? Mm -hmm. Um, so first I kind of, I want to be, I want to be clear that we're not, we're definitely, not the fir- not the only one or the first one even in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. our friend, uh, our friend Nick, who actually inspired us to really get the shop. Um, he owns Phoenix Comics in Seattle. So they own okay. Phoenix Comics in Seattle, and yeah. I am, you know, I know at the very least that that is definitely another LGBTQ owned shop, and mm-hmm. their shop is kind of right in the historic um queer kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, Capitol Hill in Seattle. Um, I can't speak for I can't speak for that shop, but I think for us, it's we really wanted to make sure that you know we create 
the space for people to kind of come in and just say, hey, like, um, the first review. So are you like, can I take a tangent and kind of just go back on a little bit on the history of the shop a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think that yeah. that would be helpful, like, in, in to put it in context. So the store, um, the store outside of comics has been in Seattle since... Um, okay, I can't do math, but the seventh anniversary is coming in July. Sometime uh, seven years ago, a, a local couple, uh, huge comics fans, they did a Kickstarter and fundraised for a comic book store and also like a boutique that sold games and clothing and jewelry and just like cool geeky things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they ran a store for a. A little bit over six years, but unfortunately, they weren't able to do that, both like, you know, because of the pandemic and uh, economy and also other personal issues. So they sold the sh- they um, publicly solicited for buyers for the shop last October, October of 2022. And that's when we bought the shop. Um, okay. And by we, I mean, at that point, it was myself. And uh, my co-owners, co-workers, Marguerite and Russell, the mm-hmm. three of us kind of, we saw that and we got the shop. And the big reason why the owner, the old owners didn't didn't want the shop to just go away. And like, you know, they could have just said, okay, we're liquidating everything, going to file for chapter whatever and just get rid of it and you know we could have just said yeah we're not gonna buy we we don't really want to take on that risk but one big thing is that over the last six years when they had the shop they slowly built it as a sort of a safe haven mm-hmm. for uh people especially kids right who are queer people trans people um and just kind of it, the shop just got that vibe of being a safe, a safe place for people right. in North, the kind of North Seattle. And so big, a big reason of why they wanted to sell it is to keep that around. And the big reason we bought it is to keep that around because, you know, we were all customers or form, we were all former customers and employees of the shop over the last, you know, N years. And so we didn't want that space to go away. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the continuity came in. And, you know, we worked out a deal kind of um, and secured, uh, we secured funding from folks who wanted to see the space, who wanted to see the space continue to exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we worked with the old owners because they, um, I am, I'm like, 90% certain, but not 100% certain that the old owners were not queer or trans themselves. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were going, oh, we're selling to an entire trans non-binary group of people, like that's very appealing to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of, we worked out a deal amongst all these parties and that's when we got the store. And so like, even before we purchased the store, it was really clear that like from both customers and people who are behind the scenes that folks value having a store like this in the community mm-hmm. and both as sort of a safe haven and a space that, and a store that essentially stocks and stocks things that maybe most other stores wouldn't. Right. 
Um, yeah, and I actually had a I had a parent yesterday coming in, and you know, anecdote anecdote is not data, but we got a bunch of anecdotes, and one of them was <laughs> I was talking to Canada, and a parent came in and said, you know, um, my child's transitioning like right now, and I want some books with like uh, trans men, trans boys as the hero, like you know, as a role model, or mm-hmm. things about like. Uh, or think, things about transitioning because you know the world is getting it's still is quite stressful and hard to be a trans person in the United States mm-hmm. but corporations has also figured out that trans people and people who support trans people have money and <laughs> so they're still willing to sell us things um so you know they were going okay we see, we do see like a little bit of like trans related stuff when we go to something like Barnes and Noble or um yeah like another like large chain store mm-hmm. right um and, or like a general bookstore and but you know what little they have they're mostly about trans women or like older trans women like mm-hmm. memoirs or things like that and so it was just like well let's look at our display and there are things that um. For example, things written by local authors and also oh, cool. like things written by created by younger people that were either self-published or like it's a small print run of a rep comic or things like that, that we could offer them. And they're like, yay, like, this is great. Like, like you know, we also had some, um, we also had some bigger name stuff, right? Like, um, I was, I was thinking like the Witch Boy series. Mm-hmm. And but also they're saying, hey, here's some like you know smaller things. But like they went, they got a stack of books and they left, and they just it's just like yeah, they they're like I this wouldn't have happened in Barnes and Noble, right, right, right. This, and this may not even have happened in one of the other uh, comic book stores that they may have visited, like in the in surrounding neighborhoods. Like not to say that like right. Other comic book stores don't stock stuff like that. We, but we just have different specialties, mm-hmm. right? And ours is, hey, we stock a lot of queer and all indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want all the Batman, we don't have space for all the Batman. So like, <laughs> but we still love Batman. But like, you know, go to our neighbor. Like, you know, just we'll give you that. We'll give you that business card. Right. Um, but so like, just having a space like that that can people can find um specialized resources like we had a um we had a therapist who came in um just kind of like going wow like you're the one shop that we would expect to um stock these books these resources on trauma right on childhood trauma mm-hmm. um you know graphic novels that can help kids and also adults you know Work, work through things that may, they may they have they have experienced that maybe weren't that great, and that's another thing that we've kind of been known for over the last six years is we stock things that you know folks that fit our folks that fit our vibe like not necessarily just you know gay sh- uh, lesbian bi queer trans non binary but also folks who are neurodivergent folks who are a little who folks who are you know, geeky, a little bit weird, you know, not, it's called outsider because it's not a mainstream shop, right? We are not, we don't, we don't necessarily do all the mainstream things. And so kind of, 
I think having that going back to your question now that I've like went on the whole tangents. No, that was great. Surrounding yeah. it, <laughs> right, I think the two big things is uh, you know we're able to specialize and curate a collection mm-hmm. that you know some people can't uh, buyers and all book people who order books or general comic book store may not really even envision or mm-hmm. think about um because it's just not a you know uh, the diamond previews catalog isn't going to normally recommend that to you so like you know unless you knew unless you are part of the community or you have a lot of connections in that community you may not and you may not even know about and also to create like that safe space of like, Hey, like um, if you are like, I don't care if you are like, you know, a seven year old coming in looking for something or a 70 year old going, you know, I spent the last 70 years not actually having like uh, not having actually read comic books. Maybe it's time to start, you know, we're happy to help you. Um, we don't want, we like, we are kind of one of our slogan is for comics for every age mm-hmm. right? and comics for every vibe, you know, comic for everyone. Like, you know, we want to, we want to get you started. Mm-hmm. Um, on it partially so we can sell you books. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> there's also that like, it's a, it's a business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a business. But also, like, we love comic books. Um, mm-hmm. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't. And right. we want you to experience the, we want you to experience the joy of seeing triumphs, the, um, the relatable characters, the hashtag relatable content. Mm-hmm. And we want to find that for you. That's and awesome. I think having that space here really allows that. Yeah, I I love so hearing you talk about outsider comics and what you mean for the community. I love how your shop, the way that you've just described it, is it's much more than a shop, but it's a just like what you said, a safe space in the community for people who, um, you know, it's definitely for you know trans and queer and, and members of the LGBTQ. But as you said, like you know, people who might just feel like they're an outsider in, in whatever capacity. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing that because I know local shops, you know, try to build a sort of community and it tends to be around comics, but I love how yours is kind of, yes, we're about comics, but this is also part of it. And so it kind of has that, you know, space for people, as you said, you know, people are coming to your shop specifically because of the fact that it is a trans and queer owned uh, shop and that that's the community and that's the safe space that people are going to, um, Mm -hmm. You've shared a couple of stories already about how people come to your shop. Has there been a, a instance or experience where you have had as a co-owner with um, like somebody who come into the, to the shop and was like looking for something um, or was asking for resources or, or whatnot. And it really made you feel like, you know, this is like, this is what we were envisioning. This is what we're hoping for. And we were able to do that for like this person, like, like a, just a, some sort of experience that kind of really stands out for you. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, let me uh, let me 
say, let me think, let me think. Yeah. Um, and, and I put you on the spot on that. I, I didn't, I, I, okay. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that part of me just wants to like pick up the phone and call my coworker who, uh, who is at the shop and be like, yo, like, I know you got a good story, that, but I don't remember. <laughs> no, um, I'll give you a, I'll give you um another thing that actually happened last night. Um, okay. Uh, sort of not a very specific, not like, this is your question, but like, mm-hmm. I think my answer is like a little bit off, but I think it, I think you, it, it's getting at what you want to get at. So let me give you this. Um, we got, um, so last night, like right before, right before closing, uh, uh, just a, two people, uh, an older person and a younger person. I don't know if they're a family or whatever, but like two people can, came in and, they were just like, oh, like this shop seems really cool. And they just started browsing mm-hmm. and they started browsing and they started just kind of grabbing more and more books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, like, you know, they put down a books and I was just like, hey, like, cool. Like, you no, know, I haven't seen you before, but, you know, I don't work. I only work like, you know, once or one or two days a week on average. So. I'm like, I don't know everyone. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you before. Like, are you part of our like loyalty program? You want, or and if not, if you want to sign up, and they're like, I forget which, I forget which state, but they were like, we're from rural either Idaho or Montana. Oh, okay. And they were just like, and I and we are sort of in a, I wouldn't like not the most touristy area. We're not like next to the Space Needle. We're right. not. But we're also in a pretty touristy area. Like there's um like a night like you know a nice canal and park and like some statues and just like a really cool neighborhood that tourists come. So tourists come in all the time and you know they say, oh yeah, I'm from California or whatever. So, but the I wouldn't say the surprising part, but I guess like the gut wrenching slash heartwarming part is they kind of set it in the. Like, you know, in that we're, in, we're from rural Idaho and Montana and things aren't that great right there for us kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the entire stack of books is just like things that are from our pride display, um, things about, you know, things on sex education, mm-hmm. like things are um, just... And then there are just some like, you know, cute, cozy things that have que- maybe some like queer characters in them. But like... So they were just kind of like, yeah, we don't have a shop like this near us. And we're really glad we found you where we were here, where you're here. Because, you know, even sometimes you just don't even expect that. If you're like, okay, I'm going to like a sort of a more liberal, a larger, more liberal city. But, you know, people kind of don't expect us. And then they find us. And they, and it's always kind of like we have like this moment where they have a, they have the oh God. We found all these books, and it's amazing. Like we found all these things. We didn't even need, you know, know we wanted. And then I'm going like, oh my God, I feel like, like things are probably things probably suck for you at home right now. At least like you know. But I'm glad you're fighting a good fight, and I'm glad we can help you. You know, um, get some books home, and either you know, just so you can read them and just like enjoy them or like, you know, have you lend them to your friends and like, you know, spread some, um, spread some, uh, like spread some joy and spread some knowledge. Mm -hmm. And 
kind of related to that, you know, we also have, like, I've had a person tell me in the store going, like, um, she's a trans woman who's from the the Deep South. Like, I don't remember what it was, but it was the Deep South. And she's, she was here for a job interview um, because she wanted to get her family out of the Deep South. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like a couple months ago. So it's not, it's still pretty recent, but, you know, um, enough laws have passed that she's just like, I, we need to get out of here. And Seattle is one of the places she was looking at. And it kind of, it warmed my heart. When she came into the store and like, you know, she grabbed a bunch of stuff as souvenirs for her kids and just went like, I, she's, uh, she, she's just like, I wasn't really sure that I wanted to move to Seattle, mm-hmm. but then I saw, you know, but then I came into the shop and knowing that a place like this exists really, it really helped her like realize that the, you know, in a city where we can support shops that are kind of that have this vibe, like this kind of cozy, supportive queer vibe, that it's like, hey, like, yeah, maybe there are other problems in the city, but you know, it's a place where she, she and her kids can probably start finding some community. Community. So I think, and, you know, she's not the only person that's told us that um, we've had folks tell us that like, you know, we're one of the reasons why they moved to Seattle. Um, Seattle was a city of transplants, honestly, uh, in the last 10, 15 years. And Mm -hmm. it's nice to be the reason when people are going, yeah, like we, we think we like the city because we like your shop or, you know, like, you know, this is like a, we found like something in the shop that we didn't know existed and that makes us feel better about either moving here or like the community here. And I think that's kind of the most heartwarming thing. I try not to cry whenever that happens. Right. Because yeah. I'm like like crying. It's like, do you want a receipt? <laughs> you want a, I, I can't see the receipt button because of, the, of all the tears. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so anyway yeah. yeah no that's amazing like i i love hearing that because again you know your your shop because of what it does and what it represents you know mm-hmm. has clearly been changing people's you know lives and giving them you know opportunities that they wouldn't be able to find elsewhere where they're mm-hmm. from and everything and so that's amazing to hear that thank you for sharing that story mm-hmm. i absolutely You're love welcome. that that's great yeah. um we had talked a little bit about how mm-hmm. um, your shop is uh, worker owned. And I know mm-hmm. you had said that you get a lot of questions about mm-hmm. if you're worker owned versus co-op. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what well, one, like, you know, you guys are worker owned and how is that different right. from co-op and, and some of those, uh, you know, nuanced differences and, and why you guys are worker owned versus co-op? Yeah. So I think that you, it's weird because, um, we we can we call ourselves a worker-owned comic book store, mm-hmm. and part of that is a legal thing, and part of that is also like a marketing clarification thing. Right. So when people think of like, I I think it's getting more employee co-ops are getting more common now, but um, in the last I would say 10, 20, 30 years. When Americans think of a cooperative, a co-op, um, it's usually a something that 
the customer or the person who patronizes the business is part owner of the um, of the store or the entity. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the biggest examples are like uh, farmers co-ops, right? Um, mm-hmm. You and um, you pay a hundred dollars to kind of buy a share in that co-op and you shop there and you make it and you'll get dividends or kickbacks. Um, REI, the sports equipment one is another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or like credit unions also it's kind of forced under the umbrella in terms of like, uh, in terms of how it works. It's like when you're a member of a credit union, you're, you know, you're not, you're kind of both an investor and a patron. Like, so mm-hmm. You and all the other employee and the, all the other people who deposited money into it have equity in that credit union or that farmers co-op or the or the store or whatever, um, and that's been the biggest kind of co-op that uh, existed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and employee co-ops, where essentially it's employees who own the store. Um, either through by either basically by investing their own money or they kind of use sort of sweat equity. They um, work co-ops where you know your share in the co-ops is determined by both amount invested and hours owned, things like that. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a relatively new thing um, in the last couple of decades. Like Seattle didn't have its big one until like I think it was like five six years ago, mm-hmm. and like Seattle is kind of a city that would really where like that kind of thing like fits our culture. So it, it's been that's one reason why we don't say co op because when we first kind of bought the place and we call ourselves a co op, it's like people are like oh so like you. Do we? How do we sign up for membership and whatever? And I was like, okay, it's an employee co-op, not the same thing. Maybe we won't say that. <laughs> um, and the other thing is that uh, because co-ops are um, kind of a bigger thing now, um, it is like there is like an actual business. And I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. This is just my limited understanding from talking to lawyers and accountants, so this is not legal <laughs> advice. Right. Um, but there is, like, a legal cooperative entity. So there's, mm. you know, like, enterprise, uh, a limited liability company or corporation or whatever, but now there's also, like, a cooperative, like, entity mm-hmm. in at least the state of Washington and some other states, too. And we're not that because there's a lot of paperwork. And, which, and when we were setting out, it's just like – Oh, there's enough paperwork. We don't need more paperwork. <laughs> um, especially also, we were trying to like fake buy the store immediately because right. so we can like um, that store can keep going. So we're not legally a co-op. Um, uh, what the way that uh, the way that we work, um, the way that we work, and some other co-ops that I've talked to work is that the um, all our employees. All our employees, um, once they work, unless they are a founding member, um, Mm because then you can't have worked a minimum number of hours yet, once they have worked 40 hours, they're eligible for co-op membership. 
And in our case, in our, the way that we define co-op membership in our bylaws is that they become an equal owner of the company. Mm-hmm. And so we are small enough that we don't really want to do the, um, you know, weigh everyone's like votes or, you know, whatever based on the amount of hours they work or the amount of money they uh, bring in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that once you've worked 40 hours, you are eligible to become a member of the co a member of the co-op, a co-owner of the company, and we take a vote on it. And with a unanimous vote of current members, we get a new member. And gotcha. The forty-hour kind of initial thing is both to make sure that hey, like you know, it's kind of like a trial period, um, except we're not a large corporation and. We're not just hiring people for the trial period and then kicking them out and not giving them like a real amount of money. Just, right. you know, hiring is hard. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and we also on, we also like, you know, being a soulless corporation is kind of the opposite of what we want to do. But anyway, <laughs> so once we kind of get through that, say, like, hey, make sure we fit the vibe. Like, hey, do you want to like, now that you know how the shop works, you've done a bunch of things. Like, is this a thing you really want to do? So it's kind of like gives us both a way to figure out if someone's a good fit, like whether it's like, do they want to do it? And also, is it a good idea for the, for the group? And mm-hmm. once someone is a co-op member um, and also contribute a sort of a, token financial investment and the token financial investment exists for basically a legal reason. Um, We started at a much higher amount, but we've lowered it to kind of increase economic feasibility and accessibility. Um, Mm -hmm. But we kind of like lowered it to as much as we could just so the IRS isn't like, Hey, like why is, why does this person who hasn't invest money in this company, like, why are they a co-owner? You know, is there some ego shenanigans going on? So we want to make sure that like that doesn't happen. And that like, there's like, everyone has a minimum, minimal financial stake. Right. Um. So that's kind of how our co- co-op works. Um. Every co-op works differently. And this is the simplest model we think, and it's something that we can really work with. Mm-hmm. And we, so essentially what happens is everyone in the, you know, everyone in the cooperative has voting powers. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, we're small enough that like, we definitely, we don't really, and you know, we don't have a hierarchy in a sense that like, okay, one person's the CEO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I am like, we all kind of, because we're small enough, currently we have four members and one employee um, who ha- isn't a member yet. So there are five of us, like the four of us who are members, we're in charge of different. And through um, right now, only three of us are active. Uh, for The other one person isn't for personal reasons. So it's kind of like the three of us, we just take on, we take charge of whatever role and make up whatever job title. Like we all have the, this thing we do and we take on job. We just make up job titles whenever we need to like <laughs> submit a job title. Right. It's like, I, I was like, um, I, I just made, um, I was just doing like a application or something and they needed a job title. And I'm like, okay. Um, I guess social media manager. Sure. That's my job title. For today. I mean, like I do do social media, but like, you know, that's not the only thing I do, but it's 
Right. So, you know, we, we kind of take, we all take charge and we work cooperatively. Everyone has an equal vote and we vote when big things come up. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for example, like, Hey, do we want to start like, you know, do we want to start carrying uh, more board games? Kind Mm -hmm. of like a big thing. Right. We, it is it is a big commitment. We have only currently a minimum amount of both board games. Do we want to actually increase that by like four hundred percent, or like hey, like there's this publisher that's been given that's not really aligned with our values. Are we? Do we want to, as a group, say that we won't carry their products or things mm-hmm. like, or, or the opposite? Let's say, hey, like, do we want to take a chance on the small publishers' products, even because they align with our values, even though we are not sure financially about it? So things like that, um, and that helps us kind of keep each other in track. Um, we don't. The, of course, the um, the disadvantage of all this is that we tend not to be able to move as quickly as some, uh, you know, as, and we are, you know, just by, by virtue, slightly more disorganized, but than a shop that where, you know, it's just, there's an owner and there's employees and the owners make all the important decisions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we have enough trust that we all make the medium decisions, but for big things, you know, we still check in with each other, um, Having the internet helps. Like right. Discord is the best thing. You know, just be always being able to just hop into a voice call or like just like tag each other as- asynchronously or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's been a lifesaver. Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how our, our place works. And yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's, a, it's a fun ride. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And also I think the other piece I wanted to mention is that we – specifically um, divorce financial contribution and voting power slash equity because we, so all our investment um, is considered loans to the people who invested them. Mm -hmm. And this, I actually learned um, working like, you know, working with cooperatives like years ago, um, like working with farmers cooperatives years ago when I lived in new England, um, that like kind of deforcing it so that people who don't have capital can still participate. And, you know, if someone lends us like X thousand dollars, like to purchase a shop, for example, or if one of the members, it's like one of the people who invested some money in the beginning, it's like, you know, just because we were able to, um, just because we were able to invest more money in the beginning, mm-hmm. doesn't mean we get more voting power. And that, you know, the idea is we all work at a shop. We all like maybe some some people do more hours than others, but we all work at a shop. We're all workers. We all should have the same amount of voting power. And if you invest money, well, you get money back, right? You get interest, that, but you don't get equity. So we kind of divorce that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our, like, a lot of our investors love that, which is kind of like an, an they really enjoy that. They really enjoy that. Um, they especially since they're like, oh yeah, I don't actually want to run a comic book store. But <laughs> if you're saying I can lend you money and then uh, you give me comic books later as interest, you know, mm-hmm. you give me store credit, I'm fine with that. So it's like kind of <laughs> we worked that all that out. But yeah, right. it's been a fun ride, both like kind of 
dealing with all of that, but and like just lawyers and accountants are still not very well versed in worker owned companies quite yet. So right. kind of a lot of a lot of new ground for both us and like you know people around us that we talk to. Right. No, that that sounds amazing. I love that idea mm-hmm. about it being worker owned and that capacity and some of the opportunities mm-hmm. and um, you know, community investment that you get from that. So I mm-hmm. that is this the more I hear you talk about the shop, the more that I know I'm going to try to find an excuse to go to Seattle so I can visit you all there because this mm-hmm. sounds phenomenal. Um one thing Seattle w- is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and my my sister graduated from mm-hmm. a university out in Washington, so I know she'll probably go back out there. So sometimes when she does, I'll probably be like, "Hey, I'll, I'll tag along with you." So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you um, before you know we wrap up this uh, special episode here that um, you're based in Seattle. I, my show is in Indiana, so this show is, you know, kind of like nationally spread out. It's not a local show by any means whatsoever. Right. And I can imagine that people, you know, like myself or other people who might be listening to this right now are probably thinking, you know, this is a really cool shop. Like, what's a good way if I don't live in Seattle or mm-hmm. live close enough to go visit and support you through, you know, buying comics or anything like that? What's a good way for people to be able to show their support for your store and what you're doing over there? Well, for, I mean, first of all, like what you're doing, just spreading the word. I think that's you know, we do, we're not a we're not a large store. We're 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 a tiny shop, and I like you know our marketing budget is really small, and we <laughs> already spent it spent most of it the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so just spreading the word and telling folks about it um, is, I think, the most kind of the most important thing. Um, and you can also follow us on social media and things like that. Well, I know you already do. But like you as <laughs> those of you listening and are watching at home or wherever, like, you know, mm-hmm. on a bus or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is that we do actually have an online store. Um, Great. We uh, It is at shop.outsidercomics.com or you just go to outsidercomics.com. We have a shop and you can either, you can order through there. If you don't have a local comic book store, um, we do subscription services and uh, special orders, and we ship nationwide. We mm. actually have regular subscribers, you know, even further east than Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we have someone in Arkansas. Like I don't, I don't recall, but we have folks kind of just all over the map who's, uh-huh. you know, who may have uh, lived in Seattle, and you know, they just went, well, I'm moving to a place without a comic book store, so. Can I just keep my subscription and you send me a box of books once every month or two? So, and we do, we do that. Um, we, you know, we just basically charge you cost of book plus cost of shipping. We don't do, we don't charge extra. So if you're mm-hmm. looking, you know, if you want to subscribe to things, um, you don't have a local comic book store. We certainly, we certainly do that. And, a lo- what a lot of folks um, have done is, you know, if you have friends and family in Seattle, you can also like just go online uh, to on our site and buy a gift card and mail it to them as like yeah. a nice little surprise. Or whenever it's their next birthday, uh, like some if you know someone in the Pacific Northwest who may be interested interested in a shop, and mm-hmm. like you know, we get quite a bit of that, and it's I'm just like it's great because you know, someone from like. Boston hears about our shop and goes, oh, I can't go there. But, you know, I know my cousin is 
in my I know my cousin is in I don't know Tacoma it's pretty nearby and I know he'll he's gonna enjoy the shop so I'm gonna send him a gift card and we do that but yeah like I, I think a lot of it is just like we are a small shop and we we need to pay rent unfortunately <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like if you can, if you want books and you want to get them from us, we're happy to get you. We're happy to, we're happy to get you things. We're happy to spread joy to y'all via the form of exchanging money for comics or games or uh, nerdy clothing or art from local artists. Just, we have a bunch of things. That's awesome. Well, Wing, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'll make sure to put links to your shop and to some of your social media in the show description as well, too. But uh, thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about Outsider Comics. This is really, really exciting. I'm I'm really happy for all the things that you all are doing and what you mean for the community. And thanks for coming on the show. Um, And I will, you know, I hopefully will, you know, work together and and keep supporting each other with all this. But um, again, thank you for coming on and sharing all the things about Outsider Comics and what you all are doing for the Seattle community. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, after you reached out to us, like, uh, oh, I think it's a couple a couple months ago now. Mm -hmm. And I actually started putting just like, okay, yeah, like it's a it's a slow day. Um, It's a slow Tuesday. Let's put on an episode in a shop while I shove things. So. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for keep, thank you for keeping me company when things are slow. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. It's good to hear. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Take care. You too. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps and Life. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps and Life. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsandlife.com.